Did you realize Christmas is here? Where did that come from? I'm still trying to get my Zoom meetings to work, and now all of a sudden it's Christmas time. And so with that, I thought it would be proper to open up today's teaching and time together with a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke about, about the Christmas time. Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they went back after Christmas holidays, they went back to work at the crawfish farm, and they was talking back and forth, and Boudreaux, Thibodeau said to Boudreaux, what, you, what, you, what did you wind up getting uh, Marie for Christmas? And he said, man, I got a, a two-carat diamond ring. Thibodeau said, Michelle, I thought you said that you was going to get her a Mercedes. That's what she wanted. She kept saying she wanted a new Mercedes. And Boudreaux responded, he said, yeah, but where are you going to find a fake Mercedes these days and age? Come on, somebody. <laughs> with that being said, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24. That's our key passage for today's teaching. As we begin to wrap up this year and we are in our Christmas season, I wanted to take from the Christmas story today and train us and teach us and inspire us out of the word of the living God. I've titled the message today, The Impact of Obedience. The Impact of Obedience. Did you find Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24? Let's jump in. It says, And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, we need you more than we've ever needed you. Lord, we, we recognize our humanity, our frailty. We recognize, Lord God, that, uh, that you and you alone can change this old wicked world because you've changed us. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, today as we study your holy scriptures that they'll bring life to us. They'll be, bring transformation to us. That, Lord, we'll walk out of this place, Lord God, knowing you a little bit more and transforming our way of thinking a little bit more and becoming more like you, Jesus, becoming more like you every day. And we call it as so in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Now, this key verse that we're reading is from this passage in Matthew chapter 1. It is kind of the story of Jesus' birth, his come to earth, the Messiah being sent to us, if you will, as our Savior. And we opened up with this moment where Joseph, uh, it says, said, okay, I will obey. And he took Mary to be his wife. If I could back up for a little bit, and we'll read the passage right before this to kind of give a little bit more context for you. But let me just say it to you. Uh, Joseph is betrothed to be married to Mary. Uh, Mary tells him, yeah, the Lord spoke to me. I am pregnant, but the Holy Spirit did it. I've not been with a man. Well, Joseph, being a man of faith, but at the same time being a man of practicality, is trying to figure out what do I do with this information? It will be harder for her if we proceed forward. And so he makes up his mind that he's literally going to put her away. The Bible uses the word divorce, but they're not actually, uh, they haven't actually finished the marriage ceremony process. And what they have done has been betrothed. So it's like in our culture, it would, it's like our engagement um, but it, it's a little bit more significant in this time and age in culture. So let's pick up. Uh, let's, uh, let's drop back to verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. And let's kind of read it a, a little further into what's happening here. It says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel, a messenger of God, God sent a message to an angel, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now imagine trying to convince your friends of that. I promise you, we've never been together. She's not with anybody else. God did this. That's a tough sell. <laughs> he says, but because, verse 19, he was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place, look at this word, to what? Fulfill. Everybody say fulfill. All this took place to fulfill. To fulfill what? God had a plan. God had a plan to save the world. He was going to send his son Jesus to come to earth and take on the form of a man so that he could then die, live on this earth righteously, never sin, not once sin, to fulfill the sinless expectation to be able to be the redeemer and then die on a cross so that you and I would have a pathway back to the Father. That death on the cross, that righteous life-giving sacrifice gave us the opportunity to come back to the Father because now our sins are now forgiven because of what Jesus paid for. He paid for our sins in advance. This is being fulfilled. He says that this took place to fulfill what God had said through the prophets. The prophets had been prophesying this. Verse 23, the virgin will be with child. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 24, back to our key verse, when Joseph woke up, what did he do? He did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel, he took the word of God and he obeyed it. Had he not obeyed it, what God had planned would not have been fulfilled. I don't know all the ramifications. We can guess, we can estimate what might would have happened. We know our God as believers, he would have found another way. Joseph would have missed the moment. Fulfillment would have been redirected. God would have had to do something else. But because Joseph was obedient, it fulfilled God's plan in the earth. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, are you tracking with me? Say yes. What has happened over the years in our lives to our children and our grandchildren because of our disobedience? What has been unfulfilled in our life because our grandfather, our grandmother, our parents misappropriated God's plan because they were not obedient. Some of you had grandparents that were Christians and then something happened and they walked away from God. And as a result, you spent years away from God in darkness. Why? Because of their disobedience. It created a brokenness in the fulfillment plan of God to transform that family line. There has been time and time again that believers have been disobedient to God and as a result it has negated it has it has you know pushed aside it has diverted God's fulfillment plan in the lives of children and grandchildren I'm telling you it's time to walk in obedience for sake of our children and our grandchildren I get to sit here today because of Mimi and Pop on my front row of our church because one of the greatest legacies I have is watching them walk in obedience see we didn't grow up as Christians we did not serve the Lord and Mimi and I got saved together Pop came and he got saved we became a 
family, and I then watched them walk in obedience. They weren't just churchgoers. They didn't just go to church. As a young man, I watched my mom and dad do everything they could to obey the Lord. When the Bible said forgive, they go meet with people and say, I want to forgive you because what you did, that was wrong. And I watched them do it. I watched them take uh, the times in the church where people misappropriated them, and they did just what the Word of God says, and they forgave, and they walked in kindness, and they walked in goodness. I watched their obedience. I am a recipient of favor of God because of their obedience. Fulfillment has happened in my life because of their obedience. Are you with me? Say yes. Had Joseph not been obedient, there would have been a diversion of the fulfillment of God's plan. In fact, it says God had a plan to fulfill and Joseph's obedience kept that thing moving in the right direction. I was meeting not so long ago with a friend who was not a believer, who was struggling, but they recognized that I was a believer. Their kids had been through some really hardship things, and they sat down with me, and they were talking to me as a pastor, and as their friend, I just met them, and they were friends of mine, and, uh, and they were in a troubled situation, and they asked me if I would come and, and meet with their mom, their elderly mom. So I came, and I met with their elderly mom, and we were preparing some things uh, for the end of her life, and I looked at her, and I asked her, are you a Christian? Do you love God? And she began to tell me a story. She said, I did, and I brought my kids to church until the, until the pastor was exposed for being in sexual sin. And she said, in 35 years ago, I decided if he was a fake, it's all a fake. And I walked away from God. And in the moment of her saying that, he looked at her and he goes, I remember as a child going to church. She goes, right. But then once that happened, I never let you guys go back to church ever again. And he's got tears coming down his cheek. He said, Mom, I never knew God because of that. And she goes, I know. And she begins to weep. I led her to Christ in that moment as she recognized 35 years of God's unfulfilled plan for her life, her children's life, and her grandchildren's life. It turned it all around. I ended up baptizing that entire family, and God's plan was reenacted. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. So wait, Satan meant for evil. God can turn around for good. But there is a critical component that you and I must grasp about obedience. Obedience is the password that unlocks destiny and fulfillment. You got to get that. Obedience is the password that unlocks destiny and fulfillment in your life. You say, I just wish God would do this and I wish God would do that. And I think God's sitting there going, I just wish you would obey me. Because if you would obey me, I can do that. But your disobedience has routed the fulfillment plan that I have. Joseph's obedience brings it into place. He activates it, if you will. So I want to help us a little bit today because we all struggle with obedience. Everybody say yes. Come on, be honest. We all do. Come on, give me a little raise hands in the, in the text box. Come on, online. We all struggle with obedience. And the reason that is because we're Americans. Nobody going to tell me what to do. Praise God. Nobody. Tell me, take my right away. Ain't nobody going to give me no kind of shot. I tell you right now, I ain't taking that antidote right now. I ain't putting that up in my system. Make me all crazy. I'm not doing it. That's the first thing I said when they said, they got an antidote. I said, I ain't taking it. Jamie's like, well, what? It's going to help everybody. I'm like, I ain't taking it. You make me. I'm American. And that's typically who we are. I mean, we told the king of England, up yours. We're out of here. That's who we are just even as a people group. So when we become Christians and followers of God, we still struggle with the concept of obedience. So let me give you three reasons why, as I find in Scripture, why we don't walk in obedience. I think it will help you a little bit and help you make the turn. Number one, ignorance. Ignorance. And that is we just don't know what God desires 
And so we just don't walk in obedience. We just don't really know. I, people tell me all the time, I want to do what God wants. I just don't know what he wants. And typically that's because you've not lived in a place or been, a, uh, you know, attached to a church family or you've not read through the Bible typically. And so I, I would encourage you that the starting spot might be this thing called the Ten Commandments. Recognize they're called Ten Commandments, not Ten Suggestions. They're Commandments. And just to give you a little bit of history, we removed the Ten Commandments in 1980 from the public school system. You can go back and track the downward spiral of our students the moment we removed the Ten Commandments. You can also see in 1962 and 1963 when we, when we removed prayer from public schools and we removed the reading of the Bible in public schools and when we removed those things because from that point forward you don't really have a moral guide anymore if you don't have the Word of God. Even if you don't believe in God, the Ten Commandments at least gave you some type of moral compass. It gave you some type of, some type of system by which you knew what's right and was wrong. And if you've never read through the Ten Commandments, they're found in Exodus chapter 20. And I would just give you a quick overview. The first commandment says, you shall not have any other gods before me. The second commandment says, and you shall not make any idols. You shall not make any idols. You say, what's an idol? Well, you know, in American uh, culture, we've got a lot of idols. We have American idols. We worship them. We have, we have, we have our, our, our celebrities. We have success as one of our greatest idols. We live for it. You say, what, what do you mean? What is an idol? An idol is anything that you give your love, your passion, and your energy and affection to. That's really what an idol is. I've seen people love their kids. They've idolized their kids more than they've loved God. Why is that? Because they want their kids to be successful. They look at them like, you could be, you could be the greatest baseball player ever in the history of the world. And so we're going to live every moment to make sure that happens. And, and, and you, you realize that they put all their affection, all their, and he very clearly tells us, you shall not make any, any, so that disobedience to that begins to, listen, when the moment I became a Christian and I found the Ten Commandments, it helped guide me. I knew exactly what I would get involved in and what I would not get involved in. Why? Because he tells me what, here's number three of third of the Ten Commandments is you shall not take the Lord's name, the Lord, the God, the Lord your God's name in vain. Listen, our culture now, every other adjective is the F word. Every other adjective is GD. We don't have any other ways of expressing ourselves. Cursing and taking the Lord's name in vain and talking about, about, uh, don't even realize we're doing it. Why? Because it's become a part of our culture. And I know that that's wrong. You say, well, you know, do you curse? No, I don't curse. Why? Because he told me not to. He told me not to take the Lord's name in vain. Here's the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath day and, to, and keep it holy. Because so many Christians disobey keeping the Sabbath holy. Sabbath day is supposed to be a day of rest. You're supposed to pick a day, pick some time. In Jewish culture, it was on Saturday. In our culture, it's on Sunday. Typically, we call that a Sabbath. But I don't think the day matters as so much as you and I take some time and break away. And we just... Be with God. And so Sunday's a good time because you can come to service. You can fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can receive the word of the Lord. And then you're supposed to let everything else go. Not constantly involved in your text messaging. Not constantly working on things. and that. Just relax in God because God knows who you are and what you need because he created you. And we live in the most stressful time in the history of America. Why? Because we got so many things coming at us and we don't stop. Because we disobey this, people are stressed out, burned out. And I'm talking about Christians and Christian leaders. Here's the fifth one. Honor your father and mother. And all the parents said, amen. Bring the kids back in. Let's go. No. But each and every one of us recognize that as a truth that we want to receive. But is it a truth that we give? Honor our father and our mother. 
to place them in a position of esteem. Do you know how horrible we as Americans are with our elderly? Do you know how bad we treat them? Why? Because someone has forgotten to obey the commands that God has given. We have done so much damage to our destinies because the way we treated our elderly, because the way we treated our seniors, if you if you will. And it's time for you and I to get back to obedience. The sixth commandment is you shall not murder. It doesn't say you shall not kill murder. Murder is to the killing of innocent life. The killing of innocent life. I believe in capital punishment. I struggle at times with capital punishment because of the way, because of the way our system has so many holes in it and it seems like there's great, grandiose injustice in the way we come to that point of whether someone's guilty or not. That scares me. And, but at the end of the day, when you and I look in the Holy Scriptures, we find that God himself instituted that with the people of Israel simply because of all of the understanding that if an entire group of people, millions of people, let wickedness continue on, it becomes the culture and you can't stop. It. And so that's why God said, listen, we've got we've to remove that. We, I know it's painful. We're going to have to cut that off if someone will not comply into righteous living amongst their peers and, and amongst the community of, of, of those that they live within. And so, so that you can have your own opinion on that, but thou shall not murder. And he says also in number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Oh, my goodness, you shall not commit adultery. It's phenomenal that how quickly we are to commit adultery. But the reason we do that is because we don't know that God asks us not to. And we don't obey that. And when we don't obey that, that creates so many... De- what are we talking about? Fulfillment and destiny. Yep. Fulfillment and destiny. Disobedience affects our fulfillment and our destiny in God and the plan that he has for our lives. He said, I just feel so unfulfilled. Where have you disobeyed the Lord? That's what I always do. I go back to because I was raised to know the word of God. I constantly go back and say, Lord, where am I disobeying you? Where am I missing you? I, I, I don't start blaming it on this person who didn't do this right and this person who didn't. My, my go-to question is, where am I disobeying the Lord? Because I know when I walk in obedience to the Lord, his favor is poured out on me. Why? Because he has a beautiful plan of righteousness. He has a beautiful plan of fulfillment. He has a beautiful plan, as the word says, to prosper me and to cause me to have life and health. And friend, can I tell you, every time, every time I start sensing difficulty, I realize I've disobeyed. I've stopped tithing. I've stopped doing this. I've stopped being nice. I've stopped being kind as he commanded me to do. Whatever it is, I'll go back and go, Lord, that's where I missed it. Thanks for sharing that with me. Here's, here's, are you still with me? Say yes. Number eight, you shall not steal. Imagine if we taught young people not to steal. Imagine if our political leaders stopped stealing. Stealing. Imagine how much is motivated. If you think about this for just a moment, you think about big companies and the way they get to our leadership, come on now, and we'll pay them off if they'll vote a certain way. No wonder we have so much corruption. And what is that? That's stealing from the people. That's stealing from honesty and righteous living. And so we've got this. And so everybody's like, we got to fix this system. we got to fix this system. We will never fix systems until we fix the hearts of men. The hearts of men have to get right. Until that time, no matter how good the system is, wickedness will prevail. Because the hearts of men need to be transformed into obedience to the living God. He has set up what is right. And he will cause us to live in harmony and beauty and perfection if you and I will simply obey what he's already given us to obey. Are you there? Say yes. I know you don't like it, but it's true. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not, why in the world do we manipulate it to make us look better? Because that's the system that we live in now. So telling the truth, even if it hurts. I mean, when's the last time, when's the last time a 12-year-old went, I did it? Whoop me. I did it. We would be like, Kuh. 
Like, whose kid is this? You might be the second Messiah. I mean, we were like, no, I, not, what do I do with this child? Why? Because we've not seen it modeled very well. You and I, when we obey his words and his teachings, you and I progress forward in fulfillment and destiny. And the last one, you shall not covet. You shall not covet. And it gets into, if you go back and read it, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, car, spouse. It's amazing how quick we are to covet. In fact, I believe social media has, uh, has raised covetousness in a way that we can't even control it. Because think about it. Before you had social media, you didn't know that your friend went on vacation to Hawaii that you hadn't seen since high school. Now, all of a sudden, you see them in, you, you, like, you see them taking pictures in high school on Facebook or Instagram or whatever your social media platform that you love is. And all of a sudden, you're looking like, that dude was an idiot in high school. How is he getting to go to Hawaii? We ain't got to go to Hawaii. We got to go to Hawaii. And so you start having this covetousness, and it's driving you insane and causing you to pressurize in places you shouldn't pressurize. I can't tell you how many people start coveting each other's spouses. In fact, in counseling not so long ago, uh, I was meeting with this couple. We were meeting with this couple, and, uh, and, uh, and they said, well, you know, we were with a therapist who told us uh, that we, to, to you know, spice up our sex life, we should watch pornography. It would spice up our sex life. Now, if I did not know the Word of God, I might have went, well, therapists, they're professionals. They know what they're talking about. Because I know the Word of God who says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Who am I coveting in that, in that, in that video? It's not my wife. It's somebody else's wife because that person doesn't belong to me. And so I was able to say, it's a lie. Don't do it. I don't care, who, I don't care how many degrees they have. The Bible says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's a lie. It's a wicked. Don't do it. Don't be disobedient to the Lord in that. See, just the Ten Commandments, much less the teachings of Christ. Jesus lays out a ton of teachings in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount series, and he teaches us what his ways are. And you and I need to understand that God has laid out for us what is right and wrong, and you and I can walk in obedience to it, and we will find fulfillment, we'll find destiny. And when we reject it and we walk in disobedience, we find the difficulty that this old wicked world provides for us as we disagree or we disobey the living God. We also need to understand this truth. Yes, he laid out the law. He laid out the Ten Commandments and the Old Covenant. But then God looked at humanity, and if I could simplify it, and said, they don't have the ability to even obey me. Even if they knew the truth, which I've given them, they don't have the ability to even fulfill that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to die and resurrect. And then he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit on all Christians, all followers of him. And give them the power to overcome their own sin nature. See, if you try to just be good in your own strength, you can't do it. Have you figured that out yet, Christian? Have you figured that out? I can't do it in my own strength. I cannot be kind to people who are unkind. I want to stab them in my own nature. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. I mean, I, I get on the interstate, and I have a real hard time with ignorance. I mean, it's like... Where did you get your license from? Get out the way. All right? This lane is not for you. If you want to be in the left lane and you want to have conversations with your buddy, that's great. Get out the way. Because the speed limit's 70 and you're doing 65, you're full of Satan. Scoot over. That's what happens. Okay? I'm struggling, right? I'm just struggling. That is not like Jesus. I just want to point that out. I mean, it may make you feel justified, but it ain't like Jesus. And so, and so I, and because I know it's not like Jesus, and I know that it's like Adam McCain, I recognize the conflict. And so who do I then call to? I say, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. 
I need power right now. Because right now, I want to wring somebody's neck. Because right now, I want, I want to shout. I want to go back to my old nature. I want to curse. I want to do whatever. But I know you have filled me with power to overcome my own sin nature. And I don't have to give to my old ways. But I can submit to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, transforming into Jesus' image. So you cannot have the law and fulfill it or the truth of what's right and wrong without the power of the Holy Spirit to actually accomplish it. And so he said, look down at humanity and said, I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And he will give you power. That's what, the, that's what Acts chapter 1 says. I will pour out my spirit on you and he will give you power. Ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You and I need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we can obey the teachings of Christ and the expectations of our God. Are you there? Say yes. And as we do that, as we walk in obedience, guess what will happen? Fulfillment and destiny. Fulfillment and destiny. So many people, I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. Go back and where are you disobedient to God? Ask him for help in that. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength to overcome your own disobedience. Are you still there? Say yes. Do you still love me? So the first reason why we don't obey is because we're ignorant. We just don't even know. And so we need not only to go back and understand the scriptures, but we need to also ask the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to obey. Here's the second reason why we walk in disobedience, and that is because of fear. Fear. All of us. Fear of the unknown. I can't tell you how many times God said, I want you to do this. I'm like, uh-uh. I don't know what will happen. I can't tell you how many times I've felt the nudge of God. Pray for this person right now. I don't know them. We all got masks on. I'm supposed to social distance. No, I mean, no. Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. We all carry these fears, right? Although we know that the Bible says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if you can hold on to that truth, you can say, you know what? I'm feeling fear right now. I'm not being obedient to what God's telling me to do right now. Not because I don't love God, because I do love him. The problem is I'm just scared. I was dealing with somebody this weekend. And, I was, and we had a good plan set in place. They actually worked for me. And uh, I'm their boss, if you will. And I had to have an hour and a half conversation to convince them this was the right thing to do because they were scared. And in the middle of it, I just told them, I said, by the way, in any other venue, I'd fire your butt right now and not waste this time. But because I recognize you're dealing with fear and because I love you and I'm a good leader, I'm going to help you navigate your fear so you can start walking in faith because your fear is keeping us from fulfilling purpose and destiny right now. I just need you to know that. I love you, and I want to be patient with you because that's what the Lord tells me to do as your leader. But as a result of that, you're holding back what God's trying to accomplish right now because you are scared to death of confronting the person you need to confront. And if you can acknowledge that... Praise God. Then we can, get, we can get God helping us, right? If I can just acknowledge, you're not resisting God. You're creating resistance to God, but you're not really in your heart doing that. You're just scared. You're scared. Can I tell you why some people don't tithe? Not because they want to be disobedient. Praise God. They don't tithe because they're scared. What if we can't pay our house note? I, I got child support to pay. What, what if I... Uh, and, 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 and so you don't hear me in this church go, if you don't tithe, you're going to burn in hell. You don't ever hear us say that, do you? You're like, I love this church. He never talks about the money a whole lot and begs and pleads and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because I don't need to do that. I just need to teach you faith. If you'll learn to trust God, if you'll learn that his principles work and you can apply them to you, but I also recognize you're not there yet for some of you. 
And for the rest of us, we're there. Jamie and I, we don't tithe 10%. We tithe 12, 15%. We, don't, we tithe off of everything. We tithe off of, you know, somebody gives us a gift. You know, we just want to bless you. I tithe off of it. I'm like, I'm giving it all to God at all. But that's where I'm at in my walk because I've overcome the fear. I've overcome the insecurities, the fear of failure, fear of loss. And I found the benefits in God. Now, all throughout Scripture, you'll find that God knows that we have fear. So he always is constantly trying to get us to obey him by he'll throw in a little something. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So what he constantly does throughout scripture is he says, listen, I, I need you to obey, and I know you're struggling with that, but let me tell you the benefit. If you'll do that, you'll get this. And unfortunately, too many preachers have said, the benefit, the benefit, the benefit. And so we just, we're just like, if, if we don't see any benefit in it, then we don't obey. And some of you have raised your kids and that, come on, buddy, if you do it right now, if you do it, I'll, mom and dad will get you some ice cream. And after a while, you realize that don't work no more. So then you're like, give me the belt. Let me tell you how it's going to happen. And so there's this, and the reason why is because you're trying to help them overcome their fear so that they can obey. And God does that throughout Scripture, but then he'll turn. You'll see him. He'll turn. He'll say, obey. Just obey because I love you, and I've got your best interest in mind. How many of us have gotten to that point where, you know, the two-year-old, and it's so funny. You know, I was watching somebody the other day correct the four-year-old, and they're like, come on now. You can do it. I'm like, Give me, I'll fix it for you right now. I will fix it. It will take me five minutes, and they will be in compliance. They will be in compliance. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that we must come to him like little children. Do you know why Jesus says to come to him we must come like little children? Not because of our age. He's putting in perspective, especially in Jewish culture, of the obedience that a child walks in. Why? Because a child, especially in Jewish culture, in the time frame which Jesus makes this statement, he's using this illustration. He's saying a child does not govern themselves. They are living in that time frame where they are being governed by someone else. So it's more comfortable for a child to obey because it's expected of them and that's how they live their everyday life. Then they grow into adulthood and then they say, nobody's going to make me obey anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm an adult. And so Jesus literally tells us if we're going to come to him, we must come as a child. He's talking about the heart and the nature of one who just obeys. Lord, I don't understand it. Have you ever tried to explain to your four-year-old why that's a good idea? And you start into it thinking that you're brilliant. And an hour into it, when they're not complying, you get frustrated. And it's funny to watch some of you. You start yelling. And you start, then you start throwing things. Then you just lose your mind. And the reason why is because you were trying to convince a four-year-old about something that they cannot grasp. Are you tracking with me? They cannot grasp why playing out in the street is a bad idea. They can't grasp it. They're not mature enough. Why do you expect God to explain every little bit to you and then expect you to be able to grasp it? You can't, you can't even grasp what he's got planned. You can't even see it. So I have been able to walk in faith in God because I just say, I'm just stupid and I don't know, but I trust you because you're my dad. That attitude has caused me to walk in fulfillment of purpose and destiny and live with joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. All these things are able to flow through me because I have come to the place I'm not smart enough and I never will be. I am not a peer with God. I am his son, his daughter. That's who we are. We're sons and daughters. We are not peers with the living God. We are sons and daughters who walk in obedience. And as we walk in obedience, we're able to give him the control of the, our direction, of our purpose, of our destiny. And when you and I walk like that in obedience, we're able to be fulfilled 
and live out destiny. Are you still there? Say yes. Here's the third reason. Come on now. Third reason why we struggle to be obedient. Number three, and that is lordship. Write that word down. I'll explain it to you. Lordship. Lordship. Too many Christians have come to Christ for the benefits. They've come to Christ and they see him as their savior. And they never completely make him their Lord. There's a difference between my Savior and my Lord. Now, none of us want to talk about terms of lordship, servanthood, slavery. But that is exactly the image by which we have to humble ourselves and say, you are my Lord. What you say, I will follow. See, when Jesus isn't your Lord, but your Savior, you love the benefits of it. But you want to grapple with him. You want to fight with him about what you should and shouldn't do with your life. In fact, you want to take his commandments and you want to adjust them to how you want them to be because you are the Lord of your life and he is not. So when, I, when I'm working with a believer who refuses to submit, and then what they'll do is they'll even turn his words to benefit them. And they'll turn them. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to manipulate the law to your own benefit? I'll give you an example. You tell your 16-year-old daughter, I want you home at midnight. Okay. At midnight, she's not in your house. At 1.30 in the morning, she comes bebopping in. And you begin to lose your mind. I told you to be home at midnight. She says, I was. I was sitting out in the car with my boyfriend for the last hour and a half. She took the law of what you said and found a way around it knowing that your intent was that you wanted her inside safe. And that's what so many people do with Scripture. They'll take the law of what it says without caring about the heart and the intent behind it. And so what has blown my mind over this last year is how quickly we as Christians want to throw out the law of what's right and wrong without the intent of love behind the law. And so we want to fight with our neighbor to stand up for righteousness and justice but the heart by which we did that was lost. And God never does that in Scripture. In fact, I don't know why God gave us all free will. If I was God, I would not give you free will. You would not have a choice in the matter. But he didn't do that. He gave us all free will. So here's what God has done. God's given each and every one of us the ability to obey or disobey. And then woos us to come obey. Because if you obey, I have such a good plan. But I will not force you to obey. And what happens to a child who never obeys you? That child finds themselves coming into a place of separation from you. Because they do not believe the way you believe. They do not want to live the way you live. And so they have to separate themselves to continue on their pathway. And so that's what happens. God doesn't throw any of us out. But because he gives us the ability to obey him... Or disobey him, we separate ourselves from God. See, I just don't understand. Well, well, he's um, good old God's gonna send people to hell. That just don't seem right. No, 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 no. Back yourself up, buddy. Stop being the Lord of your own life and recognize he is God. 
He created heavens and earth and humanity and everything you know that exists. He is the creator of it all. He created us. He wanted a relationship with us, but he gave us free will to reject him or accept him. And those who accept him, he's given us a way by which we should live that will affect all of humanity in a beautiful way. But if we reject that and we walk away from that, that's our decision. And we separate ourselves because we don't want to live in the house of our, of our daddy. We don't want to be under his oversight and his lordship. And when you and I surrender ourselves, in fact, look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse three says we know that we have come to know him if everybody say if say it again say if write it in the text box online community if we know we have come to know him if we obey his commands oh verse four the man who says i know him but does not do what he commands is a what is a what and the truth is not any I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. But I'd be doggone if I'm going to live my whole life in disobedience to the Father. Every day I wake up, and I do my best to obey. I miss it. Come on. Does your kid miss it? But you still love him. I'm his, and he loves me. But every day, I want to obey him. And you've got to understand, the key reason for obeying is because I love him. Not because I'm scared of him destroying me. In the old days, the old preachers and the old ministers would try to motivate you by fear. If you don't, you're going to burn in hell. Well, that only worked for until we were 19. You were like, well, I'm living in hell now. I might as well have fun. It didn't work. Why? Because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. There will be a judgment. There will be a judgment. There will be an accounting for our disobedience as humanity. There will be an accounting for it. But at the end of the day, he would that none should perish, but all have eternal life. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. God loves humanity because we're the only creatures alive that were created in his image. We look like him. We're made like him. We're his sons. We're his daughters. And then there's this wicked, vile Lucifer and his horde of demonic forces that are constantly pulling us away from our love, Father. And we're constantly in battle against them. And when you and I obey, it brings us into place of safety. It brings us into places of fulfillment. It brings us into places of favor. It causes us to be able to live out destiny as he planned it. You and I must come back to the place. Lord, if I disobeyed you somewhere, show it to me. I want to live my life in obedience to you. It's not church rules or regulations, and that's how maybe it was presented to you when you were younger. That may have been where your small thinking was at at the time because you didn't know the vastness of God's goodness and understand it. Like a four-year-old, you didn't really get it, and so as a result, you didn't really want to do it, but you were forced to because of your age. I give myself to God as his son. I will obey him, not because I like it or don't like it, but because I trust him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, uh, acknowledge him, and he will guide you.